here we are right now. And today, I'd like to speak about the Mary Poppins complex. I don't know if it really is an official, verified, case-studied, peer-review complex in the psychological literature, but I'd like to make it one. I think it should be, because it is definitely a complex that exists. It's definitely something that I have seen in many ways, in many contexts, with many different people. So, when we talk about a complex in psychology, that essentially means a collection of traits and, well, not so much mannerisms, but it can sort of be like mannerisms, and even a little bit more like values as well, but it's basically just traits and little behaviours that come together into a type of person or a type of, yeah, type of a, a thing that is within a person. And we can look at this to understand, well, what's going on? And if we reverse engineer it, we can actually see how it is that they do what they do and what it is that we can learn from the things that they do and all the rest of it. So I'd like to put this thing forward as the Mary Poppins complex. And we're going to look at the story of Mary Poppins and its symbolism and its implications and its ramifications. Because this is so amazing, really. I mean, what a person Mary Poppins was, really. We'll come to see as we talk about it. But before we get too far into the bulk of it, maybe we should look at a little bit of a different complex just to sort of show what we mean structurally by a context, uh, a complex. Say you have an inferiority complex. It's probably the most famous one, right, when we hear this word complex in psychology. Maybe the first one the most common one to come to mind is the inferiority complex. Now, you've also got like a dominance complex and a motherly complex or a fatherly complex or a whole bunch of others. But just to stay with the inferiority complex, you can say that when someone has an inferiority complex, they have a way of responding to the things around them and the people around them because of how they are inside, because of what's going on in their mind, because of their psychology. And the inferiority complex is quite simple. It's quite ABC. It basically means that in any situation, the person with this inferiority complex is going to be drawn towards putting themselves under those that are around them. So that person is going to... So just just from that, you can see all the ramifications, right? So they're going to want to serve the people around them. They're going to be possibly over-apologetic 
to the people around them. They're going to be concerned more with the advancement of the desires and goals of the people around them. And then there's also the condition of the feeling, right? It's not just a psychology and a behavior and a way of acting, but there's also the feeling of inferiority. There's a certain taste that has that, that happens within you when you are in this inferiority complex. So that's just a little quick sketch up to keep in mind. And let's now contrast that with Mary Poppins. What did Mary Poppins have? Well, Mary Poppins, she had the Mary Poppins complex, or at least that's what I'm calling it. There probably is another name for it, but I haven't come across it. If you do know, do let me know. But the Mary Poppins complex is really quite an amazing thing. It's quite an amazing phenomenon. And when you can recognize it, when you can see it, and you do actually come across it in real life, in a real life person, it is amazing to see. It is just incredible. So I hope by talking about it, you can be on the lookout for it. And you will come across it, I guarantee it, because these people do exist in this world. So essentially, the Mary Poppins complex is the person who doesn't have a problem with getting the job done. There's something to be done and they can do it in a certain way that makes it look magical. And to the people around them, it seems to be a kind of defiance of the laws of nature. So you see this in Mary Poppins, right? I don't know if you've seen it, but chances are you know at least the gist of the story because it's so culturally famous. I mean, the the movie cost like, what, $4 million to make? And it was something like $105 million in the box office. So... You do the math as to what sort of profit they made. But really to further that, the the cultural, the, the, the reason it's sort of seeped into the culture at large so far, because the, the reason it's such a large cultural phenomenon of a story is because it resonates, is, be, is because of its psychology, it's because it hits on something that everyone can see and everyone can understand, if not explicitly, at least implicitly or subconsciously or at least in a little bit of a way. So let's go through this story and look at, well, how this Mary Poppins character behaves and acts and thinks and relates to the people in her life and how she talks as someone who has the Mary Poppins complex, someone who has a way of making the job get done in a magical way. 
So, Mr. Banks comes home from work. And his nanny has had enough of her job. Because the kids have been in trouble. Kids have actually turned up at the doorstep in the custody of the police. And it turns out that the kids were chasing a lost kite. And the way this looks is that the kids are all wrong. They're delinquents. They're going off getting in trouble with the law. And the nanny is fed up with it. It's happened four times already this week. I can't take it anymore. I quit this job. So the nanny quits and Mr. Banks, well, he has to find another nanny. And the kids are a bit nervous about this because they get the feeling he's going to hire someone who is quite strict. So the kids take it upon themselves to write the advertisement for the new nanny. And they write it up nicely. They say, well, we want someone sweet. We want someone intelligent. We want someone who's kind, someone who will let us eat ice cream on Saturdays or something like this, you know. I don't I don't remember exactly the details, but basically they write it up and Mr. Banks doesn't have a bar of it. He actually snatches the piece of paper out of their hand, rips it up and throws it in the fireplace. Now, by some miracle, those pieces of paper float up the chimney out into the world and Mary Poppins receives them. And the symbolism there is that if you send a message out, you never know who is going to hear it. And perhaps further still, the the kids are the ones who know who is the right person for the job. They know better than Mr. Banks at this stage, and yet he doesn't recognize it. So... In the next couple of days, the other nannies that have heard this other advertisement turn up and they're all looking a bit grumpy, they're all looking a bit dark, they're all looking like not very nice people. And somehow, out of the wind, floating on her umbrella, Mary Poppins comes sailing in and she blows them all away. Now, you can see this You can see this in so many ways. When you find someone who's really competent at what they do, someone who's really good at what they do, and we have this phrase, blowing them out of the water, or just blowing everyone away. So that's what's going on there with the symbolism. She flies on the wind and blows them all away. That's just coming in with an excellent amount of competence and really just excellence. That's a good word for it. She has excellence in what she does and she blows all the other applications. And this you see in so many ways. I mean, you see this in work. You can see this in the kitchen. You can see this in family. These are contexts where certain people thrive. They're situations which take a a kind of 
a kind of knack that not everybody has. And yet it's obvious when you see it. And in the case of work, in the case of a job or a career or like an office job, then you have your hiring team that is like sort of poised towards getting this for themselves. They're poised towards finding those certain people. And I mean, I've had quite a bit of experience with hiring myself in a number of different contexts for certain businesses that I've worked for. And it was rare that you would come across someone with the Mary Poppins complex, but it was very obvious when they did. It was very obvious when they had it. It was just, it's just like walking into the job. That was another way that we would say it. You'd walk right into this job. These people hire themselves. And in fact, Mary Poppins does hire herself. She comes in and says, well, all the other ladies have moved along and I'm the right person for the job. I've got the job. And she also manages to convince Mr. Banks in a tricky sort of little way that it was his idea to hire her. And he was quite astonished to see her reading the piece of paper that he'd ripped up, you know. So don't be too quick to throw away someone else's message because you never know when it will come back to you. That's another little thing there that we can see that's happening. So, yeah, I mean, I've worked in kitchens and... For a lot of my life, for many years, I've worked in kitchens and it was always obvious when, I mean, not just when someone was really good, but also when someone wasn't getting it. Like there are certain, there's certain levels to it. Like some people, some people can learn and some people are slow learners, but they can get it. You have to show them a few times and They make mistakes along the way and you have to show them again and then train them again and really explain it to them clearly and eventually they get it. And some people get it quickly. Some people are what we call naturals. And yet, of course, further still, there are people who who just don't get it. Now, they might be good in other areas. They might be able to succeed in other ways. And actually, that brings me to one of my main points, which is about the roles that we play. And yeah, I mean, those people, certain people, they're not going to get it. And no amount of training is going to help them. And they're going to be a nuisance. It's like to have them in the kitchen is to have a problem all of the time because they're going to be making mistakes that you have to fix. And it's like at a certain point, it's better not to have them at all, right? Now, when you're working in a kitchen, there's a lot to do. There's cleaning, there's cooking, there's coordinating, there's all sorts of preparation, there's foresight that's needed because there's certain time limits and certain schedules that have to be met. And when you're working in that environment and you have someone on the team that's incompetent, and is not getting it, well, it's it's a nightmare because they're going to set things back so, 
so much that you're going to spend all your time fixing problems and you're just not going to get there. And the Mary Poppins complex is the polar opposite of that. Now, I have asked myself, is there a role for everyone? Is there an environment for each of us where we can thrive? And I think that's a bigger question. That's probably too big of a question for us to deal with. And I think I think the answer is no. I mean, some people aren't meant to be productive in the way that we think. Like this whole thing of production, progress or excellence or work is is only one narrow set of perspectives or values. Like there's value in someone who there's importance to people who don't know how to do anything. They're good at nothing. There's actually an, an importance to that. Those sorts of people need to be valued in their own way. And they need to be taken care of. Like in a more understanding society, in a more understanding culture, we would not look down on those people who don't have the skills that are the same as ours or aligned with our beliefs. We'd have, a, we'd have a larger perspective that would account for people who can just do nothing and live without skills. And of course, it's also, it's also my belief that people shouldn't have to work. And I mean that absolutely. I mean, people should be allowed to go from the cradle to the grave without having to work. They should have the money, the food and the support and the shelter they need provided for them by society, by the culture, by the collective. And if it's their choice not to be plugged into this progress-driven, productivity-driven culture, then that's their choice and they should have the right to that. But this is a bit of a tangent. This is a bit of a, like, this This is a big, a big thing to chew on. Like, the roles we all play is a big one of, like, how do we fit ourselves together? How do we work this out as a collective? So, that's a big one. And to get back to Mary Poppins, I mean, you see this and it's really amazing to see someone who does thrive in the role that they have. And Mary Poppins, well, what does she do? She walks in and everything is just easy. Everything is a game. Everything is fun. And she says, well, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. And then she launches off into the song, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. You remember that? Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine. So the story there is, or the symbolism there is, that medicine is that thing you have to do, which is good for you, but you don't really like it. Like it tastes bad. So you just add a little bit of sugar 
you add a little bit of fun, and that'll do it for you. And she says that if you find that element of fun, if you find it, then snap. The game is fun, or the, the, the task becomes a game. And you see her, she's going around and snapping her fingers, and the beds go back together, and the toys get put all in the cupboards, and the knocked over things get put up, and she's sort of singing with a bird, and it's all this big thing, it's just, it's just like this beautiful thing. And you see people like that, I mean, I've seen people like this in the kitchen, they sort of just walk around with this smug smile and they see a problem and they fix it. And they see something out of place and they put it into place. And they see something that needs doing and they do it. And it's not necessarily for them any more hard. It's not any more difficult. It doesn't really take, I don't know if it really takes any much more energy. Like, say you're working and you're making mistakes. Are you really exerting less energy than someone who's working and not making mistakes? I don't know. I guess it depends. Maybe that's too much of a that's too much of a tedious distinction to make. But in the case of Mary Poppins, in the Mary Poppins complex, it's obvious, right? Everything's a game. And not only is it a game for her, but it becomes a game for the people around her. She manages to teach the children how to actually do what she's doing. And if you've seen the video clip of Spoonful of Sugar Helps the Medicine Go Down, then it's actually a little bit overwhelming for the little boy. He becomes a little bit like, whoa, it's all too much. You know, this is a sort of hurricane and the, the doors on the cupboard are sort of hitting him and he's riding around on this trolley or something and it's just he's like ah help me you know for him it's all chaos for him it's all over the place for him it's it's too much to take in and he doesn't really quite get the hang of it he's the one that still struggles with it <laughs> so that's the that's the story of the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down and they go out she takes the children out for some fun for an outing and they see this guy doing this drawing of chalk on the pavement. And with her, the drawing comes to life. It becomes this thing. It becomes this experience that they go into and they have a horse race. And, you know, things do come to life. Stories do come to life with the people that can deeply experience them with the people that have a kind of natural magic or playfulness around them. Somehow things just seem more bright. And they have a horse race, and of course Mary Poppins wins, which is just even more testament to her competence, to her skill, to her brightness. And for her, she's all sort of blushing and oh yes thank you oh well this and you know there's all these people interviewing her and there's paparazzi there and she sings this song supervagicalistic expialidocious which is a nonsical word right it's this crazy 
weird, doesn't make sense, it's a little bit quirky. So these people who have the Mary Poppins complex are a little bit strange. They're a little bit outside the box. And she even manages to say it backwards, you know. There's there's this thing that comes up again and again in this movie, which is that she can not only do it forwards, she can not only do it well, but she can do it backwards. And we have this phrase, which is, oh, you could do this with your eyes closed. Or you could do this while standing on your head. Or you could do this backwards. It's the same sort of thing. It gets at the same thing. It means that you know it so well that it's just like back and forth. And I mean, I've written this down. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I can do this. Docious Alex Piestic Fragicali Rupus. <laughs> what a tongue twister. So that's super fragicalistic expialidocious backwards. I'd have to practice it. Docious, uh, do, do, dosi, I can't even read my own handwriting. Dosiosa I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try. Put me in the, put me in the category of the slow learners. <laughs> but she, she also goes, I remember now she goes backwards up the, the handrailing of the stairs. So she slides down the handrailing in one of the songs and then goes backwards. So it's not only this, the word that she knows backwards, but she goes backwards on a couple of things. So they come home and what do they find? They find the uncle. It's always the uncle, isn't it? Uncle Andrew. What is Uncle Andrew doing? Is he the weird uncle? I think I've joined the Weird Uncles Club. I was saying that to my uncle before the other day. So he comes they come home and they find that the weird uncle is upside down on the roof having a tea party. And for the children, they're shocked, right? They go like, What on earth is happening? How can this person be like it's like a complete world flip? And yet, for Mary Poppins, it's completely normal. She understands completely. And she, in fact, goes up to join him. And the way she does that is by laughing. So they learn to laugh, which brings them up. So, of course, the obvious symbolism there is that laughing makes you high. And they have this wonderful tea party upside down on the roof where they're laughing their heads off. So, by this time, Mr. Banks comes home. And Mr. Banks is very angry to find them acting this way. He's very upset, very grumpy. And they talk about it. He talks to Mary Poppins. And Mr. Banks is having a stern word about how she has been treating these children and how it's not the way to be done and it's not to his liking. And it sort of starts out as that sort of conversation. And yet she talks and 
as they talk and as she explains herself, it actually comes out that it's probably a good idea that the children go to work with Mr. Banks. And that's the, a perfect example of just a complete reversal of things. Mr. Banks has come home to find everyone laughing and it's this massive problem. It's this terrible thing. And yet, Mary Poppins has been able to talk in such a way to bring a further outcome, which almost has nothing to do with the situation, and yet is a positive thing. Because it is great for kids to go to work with their parents. I mean, if you ever get the opportunity to do that as an adult or as a child, then I definitely t- think that's that's an amazing thing to do. Like, there's there's this big mystery between kids and their parents as to what the parents do. I mean, what does daddy do all day? I know he's gone, but gone where? And Mr. Banks, well, he works in the bank, of course. But the thing is, well, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does he do exactly? And to go on an outing with Daddy to see how he actually spends his day is a very powerful thing. It's a very, it would be a very memorable thing to actually see it in action and not to have to work with a sort of explanation from an adult to a child to build up a picture of what Daddy does for a living. So, the next day, the kids go to the bank with Mr. Banks, and they meet some of the people that Mr. Banks works with. And they're quite old, they're quite ugly, they're quite grumpy, and they're not very nice. Sort of like Mr. Banks might seem to suggest that the sort of people that are the sort of people hang out with, the sort of people that are those sorts of people. The same types are always together. And the children sort of, they can sense this. They can feel this. They're honest about their feelings. They're honest about their impression of these old banker men who are just trying to snatch up their money and give them dividends and investments and interest rates and all these things. And the little boy, or, or maybe it's the little girl, I think it's the little boy, but he, he starts to get sort of upset and he says, well, I want my money back. And as he's in the bank, other people start to hear this and they start to say, well, I want my money back too. And this creates a bank run. And all of a sudden there's this frenzy of all these people saying, I want my money back. And they take their money and they leave the bank. So, this is a real problem. This is a real problem for the bank and Mr. Banks and the people that work there. And they go home and the children overhear a phone call that Mr. Banks receives from his work about the consequences of the actions of the children. 
So there are consequences for the things that you do. There are consequences for the actions that you take. And the children feel quite bad about this because they realize he's going to lose his job. And they offer to pay their money, their little tuppence, the small amount that they have in order to help make it better. And they know it's not enough. There's no way that they can fix it. So Mr. Banks goes and has his meeting where he is quite sadly fired from his job and it's quite gloomy it's quite sad but Mr. Banks is coming to his senses a little bit he is starting to see something which is that by having his kids in the workplace that he is he's been able to see the contrast of what kind of people he is really working with. The children have shown him how grumpy these old bankers are, how ugly they are. And that insight is seeping through and it comes to him as he's in that room for his dismissal meeting. And somehow he just mumbles superfragicalistic expialidocious. And he tells a little joke. And he sort of turns and leaves. And the grumpy old head banker doesn't really get the joke. He just sort of says good riddance and then goes off. So they're at home. And Mr. Banks has changed. And Mary Poppins is happy to help with that in a way that no one can appreciate because they don't fully understand. And they decide to go and fly a kite. And the movie ends with them flying a kite and they sing the song, Let's go and fly a kite up to the highest heights. What do 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 boob? Something like this. I can't remember exactly how the melody goes, but it's something like this. So it's a nice turnaround for the start of the movie where they're looking for the lost kite and they're in trouble. And at the end, they are flying the kite together. Mr. Banks is much more understanding. So it's that evolution of the relationship between the parents and the children that is really shown. And yet there's more because what happens is later on, the old banker man gets the joke. He has this moment where he realizes that it's funny and he laughs at the joke and he floats up and he dies. So the old banker man dies. Now, someone comes to inform Mr. Banks of this, and he's, of course, very sad. But the, the relative says, well, actually, no, it's a good thing because he died happy because he actually remembered what it meant to be young again, what it meant to fly again. So just that moment of happiness was enough to remind him about life. And 
The relative decided that that was such a good thing that he should have his old job back, or maybe he gets a promotion. I can't remember what exactly, but he get he gets something. So everything turns good in the end, and that's that's the story of Mary Poppins. That's the sort of some of the complexes of the things that happen when someone like that that whole thing un- unfolded because. Mary Poppins insisted or sort of orchestrated the kids going to work with Mr. Banks. And the essential message there is spend more time with your kids. Let your kids know you and know your kids well. Relate to each other. Not just out of office hours, but with all aspects of life, with all the things that you're working on. I mean, work is such a big part of life that you should just involve at least a portion of it with the rest of your family. So, the Mary Poppins complex is doing things that initially seem wrong and against the rules but in the long run, turn out to be the right thing on a much deeper level than just your standard values. It's really a way of getting at deeper values. And the other thing about the Mary Poppins complex is the simplicity. There's no, there's no analysis in Mary Poppins. There's no explanation in Mary Poppins. She's not she's not reasoning with Mr. Banks. She's not reasoning with the children. I mean, a lot of the time she's just she's brushing it off, you know, like when they come home from the horse race and the children are like, Wow, that was amazing. That was incredible. And that was real. You really brought those chalk drawings to life. How is that possible? That's how it is for them, but for Mary Poppins She's she's sort of just brushing it off, like, oh, well, I don't know what you're talking about, darling. You know, there's nothing really to it. It's really like there's really this, this lack of any complex mind or any overthinking. She's a natural. She's just a complete natural. And you can see this, like, I mean, not just in the office or in the kitchen, but in family in general. Like, family is, in so many ways, just such a cluster. It's such a clench, because there's always so much going on. There's so many differing levels of development, levels of understanding, different ways of communicating, different motivations, different goals, different trajectories, different environments, all trying to come together. Like if you've ever been in the living room or in the kitchen when all of the family is there, just imagine. You you know that, right? Everyone's had some sort of experience like that, at least a little bit. The family is just... Just this web of complexes. And yet for Mary Poppins, it's simple. For Mary Poppins, the right thing to do 
is very easy and very simple, and it's no problem at all. And I do wonder, I mean, did, did the actor of this, this movie have the Mary Poppins complex when she applied for the role as Mary Poppins? Like, did she come into the audition and just blow away all the other people that were auditioning? Like, it might not have been... It might not have been like that, you know. It might not have been an audition-type movie. <laughs> it might have just been who-knows-who sort of thing. So... I don't know, was it was it Aldry Hepburn? I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the actor. I think it was Aldry Hepburn or so, someone like that. I can't I can't remember. I should have written it down, but that's okay. Whoever it is, my bet is that she had the Mary Poppins complex. She she in so many ways is Mary Poppins. Like that's that's the best actor for the role, right? It's the person who is the character. And I can imagine in acting, you in in the the film industry, you, you it's the same as the kitchen. You have people who can learn slowly if you train them enough. Some people who are naturals, some people who just don't get it and they're a problem to have around. And there are people who are just superstars. People who can just act. Like, I don't know anything about acting. I don't know what it takes to really be a natural in front of the camera. So, who knows? But I suspect I would wager that the actor of Mary Poppins had in her the Mary Poppins complex. And is it someone is it is it something to aspire to? Like is it something to have? Like do we do we learn can you learn the Mary Poppins complex or are you just born with it? Well, I think a bit of both. Some people are naturally talented and you can definitely learn something from the Mary Poppins complex. And you can practice this. Like the 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 spooky thing about a complex or an archetype in psychology is that you can s- step into it. You can go into it just by thinking about it. Like if you walk around and you say, well, what would Mary Poppins do? How would Mary Poppins act? What would Mary Poppins do? What would Mary Poppins do? I am Mary Poppins. I am Mary Poppins. How does Mary Poppins do this? How does Mary Poppins do this? And you sort of you sort of hypnotize yourself into it, then you can get a sense of it because you'll be you'll be pepping yourself up and you'll have these notions of what it means and then you'll start you'll start acting it out you'll start playing it out and that will be your mind going into your behaviors now the tricky thing is or the problem is that it doesn't stick when you inhabit inhibit when you go into <laughs> when you go into a complex 
it's only ever temporary and you can't maintain it consistently. So only ever do it as a sort of short-term experiment if you're going to try this. But at least something it's something you can learn from. It's at least it's something you can try. Like people people do this with performance coach. Right? Like I I am David Beckham. I am David Beckham. What would David Beckham do? What would David Beckham do? That's like a mindset performance coach. And there's something in that. There are further intricacies and problems and traps that go along with those. And I don't really think now's the time to explain all of performance coach theory. But at least that's a start. At least that's something to play with, right? Because you can try this at home. Like, what would what would Mary Poppins do? Well, she would sing a song. She would flutter her eyelids, eyelashes, and just say, well, no, it's no problem. She would just sort of get on with it. And then somehow at the end of the day, you'd find that it was the right thing to do. It was the good thing to do. So maybe give that a go or just think about it or just listen to me talk about it or just do whatever you want because I'm not the boss of you. (laughs) I do hope you have a beautiful day, though. I do hope you're staying healthy. do hope you're having fun, staying lighthearted. Feeling what you feel, experiencing your surrounds. I think that's about all we have to say and discuss about the Mary Poppins complex. It's a good one. I like Mary Poppins. It is a good one. She is pretty good. I mean, it's a classic movie, right? I mean, I wonder how many remakes or sort of spin-offs there are. Because there's also... There's also parodies of Mary Poppins. You know, there's the, the there's the comedy of the person that goes in and does everything right and yet still everything goes wrong. And then there's also the version of like like the reversal of the person who goes in and everything goes wrong. That's another kind of comedy structure. So yeah, so much to do, so much to think about, so much to try. Man, there's so much in this world. There's so much in culture. What a rich culture we have in cinema. Thanks very much for tuning in. My name is Dosta, and we'll be back very soon with more. And that's all I have to say for now. <laughs>